always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. What's up, Rohit? Aaron, how you doing, brother? Dude, another another week, another hopeless show. And for those who have, it's their first time listening, we are, I'm Aaron Wolf. I'm an actor, director, filmmaker, and I try to bring hope to people in speeches. And that's what gave us the idea for The Hopeless Show, where we bring hope to the most hopeless topics possible going on around the world or in our lives. And I'm Rohit Thawani. I am uh, an advertising creative, a writer, and I do other things. Um, but yes, I, I'm also trying to bring hope into the world, which is what helped Aaron and I get to episode 10 of the Hopeless Show podcast, which what is what you're listening to right now. Dude, we've hit the, the decade mark. Yeah, man. Double digits. Double digits. I mean, I wonder, I wonder if people are getting sick of us counting how many times we've made it. I feel it's not a very professional thing to do. I mean, does, you uh, know. It's not professional at all, but I mean, look at us. Yeah, we're not professionals. <laughs> we're so. not professionals. We're people. We're humans. Yeah. Uh, the whole word professional, I think, is overrated. You know, what, what's a professional? We're all learning all yeah. the time. I'm, I'm more professional than professional. <laughs> you like to fetch. Yeah. We all like to fetch. And this week, we have someone feshing with us who actually is a professional. She's amazing at what she does. Jewel Lloyd, who was the number one draft pick out of Notre Dame, to the Seattle Storm. She won the WNBA championship with the Seattle Storm. And she's here to bring hopeless topics, to talk about her life, to talk about going to the Olympics almost and then it getting stopped till next year and what that's like. She was going to be on Team USA. This is going to be great to have Jewel Lloyd on. A huge star in the WNBA. And uh, she was part of Team Mamba with uh, with Kobe and also uh, has had her struggles in her life that she's going to talk about. Great, and we really look forward to that interview later on in the show. But let's kick it off with some news from the quarantine. Yes. Now, Aaron, I'd like to talk to you about some type of news I don't think we've been bringing you before. We've talked about sports. We've hit a lot of entertainment. We've hit a lot of politics. We've hit a lot of what's happening with COVID. Um, But this one is a little bit different. This one is all about a parallel universe. Um, and yesterday it was reported in all the major news that researchers might have detected proof of a parallel universe. Now, what does that mean actually? I mean, it's very science fiction-y, but it might be more science than fiction. Um, the whole thing started when scientists were tracking neutrinos that are traveling through the earth. And there, I guess there's neutrinos everywhere. And they found some neutrinos that I guess were traveling and they didn't make some sort of impact. And this is where it all starts falling apart, Aaron. <laughs> um, and this would have been a hopeless topic, but we wanted to bring this, you put this in news of the quarantine because I think I'm personally too stupid to have an educated conversation <laughs> about this, no matter how much I've read into it. Um, when you said neutrinos, I thought, oh, I should go buy those bars at the market. Yeah, I think they're gluten-free. <laughs> they're gluten-free. We can both eat them. Yes, exactly. It'll be amazing. Um, but pretty much, uh, to sum up this 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 news from the quarantine is there may be a parallel universe or there may not be. Right now, all we have is a very unexplained phenomenon that sort of is breaking physics right now. And scientists are then trying to undo other laws of physics in order to try and explain this. And part of one of some of that undoing has been hypothesizing a potentially parallel universe where everything works backwards to our time. So that's been the most sort of like on the wall, off the wall theory 
Um, but that's been the one that's capturing all the headlines. So I think the takeaway is there might not be a parallel universe <laughs> or there might be. But regardless, the two hosts of this show are not going to be intelligent enough to be able to figure that out. No, I'm just going to go buy neutrino bars. <laughs> I'm hungry. I'm hungry, dude. I can't even begin to understand that. Uh, like, I can't even know how to bring if it's hope. I don't even know if it's hopeful or hopeless. I don't even understand. Later, later in the show, I'm going to be talking about a film, War of the Worlds. And uh, I understand that better. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I think we should move on to our other news from the quarantine. <laughs> that is that is fantastic. Parallel universes. Uh, so speaking of parallel universes, uh, the other n- big news from the quarantine is, uh, have you heard of what Muppets Now is? No, but you know, I saw the headline on our uh, sort of hit sheet today. Um, and all I could think of was Apocalypse Now, but with the Muppets. Am I close? <laughs> that would be good. Uh, it's not that at all. But uh, that would be a good... A good thing. I'd I'd, lo- I'd love like the Muppets doing any um, movie, but being like the Muppets, like they did the Christmas Carol one when we were little kids. That one was like cool because it was. This is a new Muppet show on Disney Plus that is they they announced that's coming out in July, and I grew up loving the Muppets. Like they were my favorite thing. I actually just finished. I know this is going to surprise you, but I just finished a book. Are you surprised? Uh- uh, I mean, it's, you know what? I don't think you gave yourself enough credit. I think everybody that listens to this show is like, we know Aaron's at least read five or six books. Okay, and good, good, good. Yeah, like Cat in the Hat. <laughs> Curious and, George. Uh, Curious George. Right. <laughs> yeah, Dr. The, the Seuss. Yeah, some Ikea instructions, that, that counts. Yep. Um, the cover yeah. of his physics book. Yes, and then War and Peace. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> twice. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but I read the autobiography of Jim Henson uh, recently, which I recommend to everyone, or not autobiography, the official biography, which was great. A great book just about creativity and about what he brought to the world. And so I am extra excited. I finished the book like two days ago, and then they said that this is coming to Disney Plus, uh, the new Muppet show, Muppets Now, which is, they said, unscripted too. So I can't wait to see the Muppets do crazy improv. Uh, so it's like SNL meets the Muppets something like that yeah it's like SNL meets the Muppets I'm really excited about it I've I've had the fortune of going I I was going to do work with the Muppets once so I went to a couple of their sets when they were doing some other it's so cool how they work how they do it they really become the characters so I can't wait for this show to me for news for quarantine that was even cooler than the parallel universe (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I tried to work with the Muppets before, but uh, I was rejected for, I guess, uh, I guess they were trying to really be specific about the species that they cast. Um, so, <laughs> well, look, I had the look. Yeah, I do I too right now. We both have, yeah. I mean, look at this, this is Muppety. Yeah, we're, Muppety we're both here. getting there, man. Uh, yeah. So that's the quarantine. And now it's time for our first hopeless topic. And this is one that I, I'm kind of... Uh, even though I knew what's been happening in Singapore for a long time, I mean, for example, you can't even bring chewing gum into Singapore. Um, Why? It's they don't want littering. They don't want gum on your shoes. You can get arrested for bringing gum into Singapore. So when we get to our topic, which is that a man was sentenced to death in Singapore via Zoom, I shouldn't be surprised but I'm still surprised and I'm a little 
I feel a bit hopeless. Here's what happened. Um, there's a 37-year-old man named Punitan Gunnison, and he received a death sentence on Friday for his role in a drug deal that took place nine years ago in 2011. So he was either selling drugs or he bought drugs. But he's been in prison, and they're, uh, the government, they've been doing uh, sort of remote Zoom sentencing. And they tell this guy, he signs on to Zoom and said, listen, we're going to hang you later this year. And what for me, it's it's wild one that this man cannot go to court. He cannot defend himself. He cannot plea in front of a jury of his peers. He can't do anything to, to really save his life because the Singaporean government feels very strongly anti-drug and they've hung many, many, many drug offenders. In 2013, there's 18 people that were executed in Singapore, um, which is a country that has a zero tolerance policy for illegal drugs. All those 18 executed, 11 were due to drug related offenses. So they, Singapore is a small country uh, in comparison to a lot of, you know, the United States and, you know, but the, this is scary. And it's scary that judgment is going to be handing out over Zoom. Um, and is this just a sign of things to come? You know, if we are not back to the regular world, let's say the the, the virus, you know, the, the new strain that's been going around gets even scarier. Or there's even a third strain or whatever. Is this a way that is okay for the world to hand out justice? And I don't know how to feel any hope from this. Whoa, this is really hopeless. Because... Uh, Zoom as is is supposed to be this this platform for people to connect, not to kill. So where is there hope in in this? The fact that we know about this story now, like that this exists, um it, it brings awareness to me that there like there's we're dealing with a pandemic right now, right? People are dying every day all around the world of the same thing. Maybe it can be cause. And again, I have never been to Singapore. Um, I don't know anyone there that I can off the top of my head. But I hope this can bring national or worldwide attention to what they have been doing. And because this story is so crazy, because it's over Zoom, maybe that, that going forward, People are dying for things that are just so out of our control. Why kill people for things that are just so insignificant? And something that I wasn't aware of that I, I'm not sure you were aware of, now I do know about. And we we need to talk about this. We need to make sure people know that this is not... Like, life is so precious, right? And we're, we're learning now that doing things is so precious because we're not able to do things. So taking someone's life should not be something that's just like, let's just do it because, and especially over Zoom. So my the only hope I can think of right now is that this brings worldwide awareness to what should not happen anymore because they've been doing this for a long time, as you said. So this can't happen anymore, especially over Zoom. And we need to, to speak about it because I, 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 you know, I want to say, something funny or about it, but this isn't a funny topic. This is just really wrong. And I'm glad we now know about it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, 
I'm like, I was like speechless when I first read it. And I think what you're saying is right. I think the idea of awareness, I mean, here's the thing is I remember growing up in, you know, in the nineties, uh, as a, as a tween and a teenager, you know, the idea of the death penalty, you know, I think there was a lot of like, you know, there was still a lot of talk about, uh, you know, eliminating the death penalty. And it felt like, you know, something that was really, uh, more topical back then, but back in, you know, back then also when you're a kid, you know, you'll, you generally grow up with bad guys and good guys and not a lot of nuance. And, you know, and as you grow into being adults, you realize that, you know, life is precious, that even if people did something that you consider bad, is it really worth killing them? And this, this, you know, I, I'm hoping, you know, that Singapore, who is a very modern country in many ways. Yeah. Um, it's, I don't know. Maybe the hope is that it hurts tourism when it opens back up, but I don't know if it will. I mean, like I said, I was there and it was the cleanest city I've ever been in in my life. Um, was also the most sterile in, in not a good way. You know, it felt very, it just felt like a movie set, you know, like a back lot more than it did in an actual city. Um, but I, I think maybe the hope here comes from, you know, if, if people are handing out death sentences over zoom, Maybe there's a way that people can fight for amnesty over Zoom. Maybe there's a way like that, that, you know, people can find a way to Zoom. You know, we talked about Zoom bombing, you know, yep. people doing anti-Semitic or, or pornographic stuff and like, you know, on other people's Zooms. Maybe there's a way that, you know, Amnesty International can find a way to hack into these Zooms hmm. to then try and plead a case or make them public or stream them around the world to, to you know, because I think it's not just work meetings and podcasts that are happening over Zoom and, and for happy hours with friends. It is death sentences. And so if this is something that, if this is content that the world can see, maybe it'll then help push us to have that conversation. Yeah, and, so. and maybe also we can, we can, with the Logic Party, with our party, we can maybe zoom bomb them maybe. and just say, look guys, logically, like, just think about what you're doing. Like, why does this matter so much? Right? Like, yeah. did this person do anything that bad? Like, yeah. And it's like, yeah. And so I think, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, d I don't know if we found full hope, but I think I found half hope in this. So how about we introduce a new sound? Okay. So half when hope. when we're we're our half hope sound is not a gong, but maybe it's a doorbell. <laughs> I like the doorbell. Yeah, this might be the toughest, the toughest toughest thing we've had to find hope in. Yeah, and you know, and like I said, we we don't have all the answers. Hell, we don't have many of the answers. No. But our the whole point of this show is for us to start a conversation. And for us to find a way to find, pull positivity out of anything. Um, and I think the doorbell is, is symbolic of us. We're knocking on the door of an answer, but the door is not, we haven't opened it yet. And that's so. also why we have guests like Jewel and Shaggy and, and so on. To, they bring answers that we don't have. Exactly. Uh, man. All right. So the doorbell, I like that. And speaking of doorbells. The, the next topic is a, is a crazy one, too, but I, I think I, I challenge you to find hope here because what, what happened this week was a couple days ago was Roe versus Wade. There's Jane Roe, who's the Roe versus Wade in the about abortion and anti-abortion versus uh, versus pro-abortion. Right. So she was the anti-abortion person. 
in Roe versus Wade, which is really one of the most famous Supreme Court cases that I've I know of. And it, 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 it we, she came out and said that she was paid to be against it when she was actually for abortion. And that blew my mind. I thought, oh, my gosh, how many other things are people getting paid to do in in politics? And it seems like more and more based on things that have been uncovered lately uh, or the last number of years that how many people are getting paid a lot of money to just do something that they're vehemently against so that so that uh, people can get their um, their legislation across. And to me, this was like. I've, I, I didn't know what to what to take from it. I felt hopeless because I thought, what other things are people just getting bribed to to do that affect our day-to-day lives. I mean, it's, it's lobbying in general and lobbying is an important part of the American, uh, you know, uh, system, the American political system, you know, while there are lobbyists out there that are literally you pretty much bribing politicians to pass legislation on their way. It also enables lobbying enables the smaller party to be heard in the same way that you got oil and uh, you know coal lobbyists. You have environmental lobbyists. You have you have uh, lobbyists that that are also pushing civil rights. You know it's important to be able to have a voice heard if you are an entity that has you know a collective amount of voices and you have one person that's representing those voices, um, and then you're able to appeal to your politicians. That's great. But what I think is really scary is when you know Roe v. Wade is synonymous with every the most heated discussions that Americans have. That's some of the most divide one of the most dividing topics. And regardless whichever side of that line you stand on. Um, it's never a good feeling to have a bad player, um, you know, introduced. And the idea of a bad player being in a scenario where someone is not acting under good faith. Um, and the fact that, you know, someone took a public stance, was paid to represent a stance, even when they didn't believe it, that is, it, 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 feel, it does feel hopeless. It does feel like, wait, I, I can't even, you know, we knew that we had to, even as kids, we always had to like, try, you know, not trust everything we read, not trust everything we see. Um, but when it goes to even like iconic legislation and, you know, an iconic court, ca- an iconic, you know, Supreme Court case, um, to think that that the the one of the parties wasn't even believing what they were going all the way to the Supreme Court for, that almost like breaks a lot of your trust in the system. Um, it becomes so Roe and Wade, Roe and Wade versus money. Yeah. Because they were actually on yeah. the same side and it was them versus money which is not yeah. good. And I think what this does, I hope that this shines a brighter light on, on campaign reform. And I hope this shines a brighter light on just money and politics. And, you know, in the same way that people are creating all these cool visualizers for um, like, you know, whatever sports and creating all these like cool ways to like show uh, the way the coronavirus is spreading across the world. I think that it would be amazing if people really started to track money and politics in a way that pop culture could also then 
absorb and track just to see where this money's going because a conversation about money and politics is one that should be had it's the one that's actually determining who is the candidate it's, it's whoever they think will the donors will get the most amount of donors which is why we end up with certain candidates we don't end up with you know there's no primaries that are actually decided with who is the most loved or who's the candidate that can uh you know make the most change it's the candidate who's most likely to win because it's going to get the most amount of donations because it's a candidate that appeals to the most amount of donors which logically, and, which logically is not a great system. It is not. And as, and as someone that like myself, that is, I am a capitalist. I'm a capitalist at heart. I love capitalism. I will admit it does have its flaws and it does have things that need to be curbed. You cannot have a lawless society where money is determining humanity. Um, so, uh, yeah, I hope that, that there is a, with Roe v. Wade being the first piece of, uh, the first conversational topic that divides people. Hopefully this is something where people can find a common ground and say, that's not okay how that happened. We want to make sure that even though we disagree, we're doing it in the honest and right way. So maybe some visualizations, maybe some sort of pop culture ways to discuss money and politics. And, is possible. Yeah. And, and to, to jump on that, because I think it, there is hope. The fact that this came out, came out this way shows that we really have to dig deeper when we're just making decisions. And when, when, our legislators are making decisions to see that what what the truth is because people getting paid off is not the truth. So now we know that this happened with Roe v. Wade. So hopefully it'll stop it from happening with other things to come. Love it. So I think, what do you think, Aaron? Did you, did you feel hope on that? Yeah, I think I'm going to hope gong it. I feel hope. I feel like this is going to be a big change going forward. And now it's an honor that I get to sit down with Jewel Lloyd, WNBA star, WNBA champion, number one draft pick out of Notre Dame, Team USA member. And we're going to dive into some topics that you would not expect. So here you go. Here's me and Jewel. Tell me where you grew up and what, you know, who you are and what your, the beginnings of Jewel Lloyd are. Yeah. So um, I grew up in Lincolnwood, Illinois. Um, it's uh, the closest suburbs to Chicago. It's actually predominantly um, uh, white suburbs. A lot of my friends growing up uh, were Jewish and are Jewish. So I have a really close connection there. Exactly. And so it's, it's a pretty di- diverse group of community. And um, it's I have a lot of pride being from Lincolnwood. Um, it's a small city. A lot of people don't know exactly where it is. But, um, you know, how our community is kind of brought together. Everyone kind of looks out for each other and everyone's pretty much family, you know, everyone on the block and everyone looks out for one another. So it's super, um, just a really awesome, unique city. Um, and I have like a lot, a lot of pride from being from Lincolnwood. And then I went to Niles West, our, our high school there and grew up playing basketball at the parks and, um, ended up playing basketball in high school, then played at Notre Dame. And then I decided to leave, um, after my junior year to uh, go get drafted and become a professional athlete. And I got drafted and uh, number one to Seattle and I've been there, I've been there in Seattle ever since. So that's uh, the short version of kind of like my background and where I'm at. And uh, that's a good, uh, that's a good background. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, so let's go back. I'm curious cause you started as a, uh, like you, your kid, you're growing up, you're having fun. What, and you, I know, you know, your mom's a huge influence on you. I can tell your family is so important to you, right? So yeah. you grew up in this close knit family. 
Right. Uh, um, at what point did you see that, or did your family identify that basketball was your thing? Um, I would probably say around um, fifth or sixth grade. I grew up playing tennis, so that was like something that I was taught and learned and loved to do, and I was so dedicated to the sport of tennis. And then I had a coach who was like, oh, just come try out. And all my friends play basketball. So I started just to gravitate towards that more and more. And then when I was in fifth grade, I got asked to play on our eighth grade uh, team. Huh. And that was the first time where we we're like, okay, maybe I'm kind of good at this. And I think my parents kind of just realized at that point that I had something special. And I didn't, I, I was just playing, you know, my friends were there for something fun. And I think, um, other people kind of saw the potential that I had as an athlete and kind of honed in on that. And um, we kind of just rode that wave until, um, you know, I kind of really got serious about it and, and was like, okay, this is something that I really, really want to do. And uh, by my sophomore year of high school, I, I quit uh, tennis and really focused on basketball. So I was like, okay, I think I'm, I'm good at this. I think it's something that it's more than just a hobby and uh, let's see where it takes me. And we're, was your, what were your folks like about it? Like, you know, because it's a unique uh, endeavor to take on is to be a professional athlete. That's like, I mean, look, every kid thinks about it. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's like, can I actually do it? Right. I think even with my parents, even growing up, like they would just made sure that we were just super active. I think that was like half the battle. They never forced me into any sport. It was kind of like, let, let me find out what I really like and do and they'll support me or whatever. And when I got serious about it and obviously leaving, you know, Notre Dame, no one's ever done that. It was a big, big controversy doing that and, and not finishing school and, and trying to go on and do something that I love. And I think my parents kind of trusted me in that decision and knew that I was super dedicated to the craft. And I, it was all me, you know, I wanted to push myself harder. I wanted to challenge myself and it wasn't coming from my brother or my parents or coaches. It was my, um, creativity and my fashion to follow it. And regardless of what happened, I think my parents are just saying, you know, we, we trust you and we know, we support you. And, you know, I was really fortunate to have parents and families that really do support me and, and whatever decision I made. And that helped a lot. I'm guessing you've had times I've asked this to a number of a lot of people. And I say, like, have you ever been told, no, you can't or no, you're not going to be able to achieve something? And how is that? Do you remember one time in in particular? That life yeah, stands um, out? yeah. There's so many. There's so many examples, unfortunately. Yeah. But you know, it's like you constantly hear that. I pretty much heard it every year in school from a teacher or a administrator. That literally from you know second grade to college, every year there was a teacher who kind of had that inference of saying, "No, you're not going to make it." And I remember very. I've um, been going into high school, and there was a. Um, a school that I, you had to test in to get in. And uh, I was debating on going to my uh, neighborhood high school or to a private school. And I remember this eighth grade teacher, she came up to me and she's like, oh, I heard you're, you're going to take the test for uh, Loyola. I was like, yeah, like, I, you know, I'm going to take, she's like, yeah, you're not going to get in. There's no way that you're ever going to pa pass that test. And then she like walked away. And I was like, the only thing she said, and I was like, really? Like, you know, like, you couldn't have been like, oh, like, you know, I wish you luck or, you know, oh, anything else. But it was like, no, like, you're not going to get in. Like, and just walked away, kind of like laughing. I'm like, that could have like totally changed. You know, it's like those little words or phrases can really have a big impact on like your development and growth. And like, you're already nervous about taking the test. Or you're already nervous about something that you're really excited for. And then you have 
a teacher, a mentor who's supposed to help the next generation telling you that you're not good enough. It was like, wow, like that's great, you know? Yeah, as you were saying, you decided, all right, I'm gonna take this big step and go from high school to college to a big, like you were gonna get dragged, go into the, to, I don't, you have to declare, right? So yeah, did you yeah. have a bunch of schools talking to you? Like how did that process go about? Yeah, it's a pretty chaotic process. Um, you know, college coaches can call you, they could do like home visits. They, I had college coaches where they would drive up to my school and then I had no idea that they were there and I would come out of class and I'll see like the college coaches standing there and they couldn't physically talk to me, but they could just observe. So you're kind of like walking around and they're like behind you, they're watching you and they're watching with your peers and it's kind of weird and awkward because like, what do I do? Um, but yeah, there's a lot of letters that get sent to the house and um, it's, you know, a lot of people are just trying to get to know you, trying to pull you, persuade you to come to their schools and you got to kind of make a decision. And honestly, I have no real um, tides or reasons why I really went to Notre Dame. Like my parents, none of us really knew anything about Notre Dame. We didn't really know much about the school in a sense. Um, we knew obviously like academically super high and they were really good the past couple of years in basketball when I was getting, getting, um, recruited and, um, you know, we didn't know too much about the school in a sense. We didn't have any, like I said, we had no, in no ties. My dad actually grew up not liking Notre Dame football. He's the big, you know, he was a big uh, Michigan state fan at the time. <laughs> So it's like we didn't really have a connection, but for whatever reason, everything kind of led to Notre Dame, whether um, we moved to the house, like a new house, and it had like all this Irish things in there. And we're like, is this a sign? And like everything kind of pointed to Notre Dame. And so um, after long talks and, you know, with my family and friends, it kind of was like, all right, well, um, everything that I kind of asked for and looked for, um, you know, I think kind of matched up there. And I also kind of wanted to prove to myself that I could go to a very high academic school and succeed. You know, I think for me, it was like so long, you know, people said I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And, you know, I couldn't be successful academically. Like, I think I need to prove to myself that I can. And, um, you know, that's a little bit why also that I wanted to go there. And did you realize when you got drafted number one that it's really a 12 month job? Cause a lot of people I don't think realize that being in the WNBA doesn't mean you're just in the WNBA. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can explain better than I, but no, you're exactly right. I think I, I had a um, knowledge of it because my brother, he played overseas for like four years. And so he kind of knew. Oh, I didn't basketball. know that. Yeah. So he played basketball. He was all over. He was in New Zealand, Poland, uh, Romania. So he kind of played all over. So he kind of knew. So I kind of knew, like, if you know, you don't play in the league, you play overseas. And that's for, for most women. That's when you make a lot of your money is overseas. They pay you so much better than they do in the league. And so, um, I think you know that, but I don't think you understand the, you know, the gravity, the gravity of it because you just say, like, oh yeah, we play overseas, cool. You hear about players going overseas, and then you don't realize, you know, how much that really means or what that means. And so um, the season in the W starts in like May, finishes in like September, and then you have like seven days to pack up all your stuff and head overseas. <laughs> and so then you go overseas, and then by the time you get there overseas, you're probably already missing four or three three games and then you have to play that week you get there so there is no you know time off and you're constantly going and you know I don't think I understood that until my first year of like whoa I'm not getting Christmas I'm missing birthday parties I don't get a break like yeah it's cool I'm making a lot of money but like I'm so far from like being with my friends and I'm so close to my family and friends and it was like a real you know gut shot it's like wow I, I don't I won't see them till 
next summer. And then by the time I'm done overseas, you get done in May, which, you know, the season W season starts in May. So you only have like two or three days <laughs> to see your family. And then you go to season. So it's like, that's a constant circle that you go on. And I've been doing that for five years now. People have been doing that for 10 years because it hasn't changed. And uh, it's a, it's a truly a grind and the league is, it's trying to do things differently with our new CBA and things like that to change it. So people don't have to go overseas and that's, you know, one step in the really good direction, but it's, that's the lifestyle of a WNBA player. You don't get any breaks. You're constantly going um, every month, every year. And I, th- I think it's interesting too, when you said playing overseas had a different angle because, and we're going through this quarantine right now and you have, I think you, you said you felt, like you were in a quarantine overseas a lot of the times because you don't know anyone, you don't speak the language. Yeah. So is it, is that what you feel like a lot of times when you're in whatever country it may be? Yeah. You know, I, I've been, you know, in Turkey and been in China, I've been in Korea, um, Spain. And I think overall, when you go overseas, a lot of times, you know, when I was in China, I was the only American. So who else am I talking to? You know, it's like besides myself and I'm not talking to a lot of people. I'm not, able to go anywhere, everywhere, whenever I want. It's it's a different structure. So a lot of times you are by yourself. And yeah, there's a lot of times where you go to dinner with your teammates and, you know, you have that, those nights where you're hanging out. And um, overall, like you're sitting in your apartment, watching TV alone, you know, the time difference is different. So you're, you're kind of in isolation all the time and you kind of get used to that. It's almost when you come back to the States, you almost have to get readjusted to being around people because you've been <laughs> isolated for so long so now being the quarantine it's like i don't necessarily feel out of place because this is like my lifestyle all the time like i'm almost in quarantine more than i am you know back in you know in civilization because i'm overseas all the time so um yeah it's definitely different but it's you know you kind of take this time of isolation and figure out who you are and you're able to think a lot you're able to meditate a lot you're you're thinking of things and ways to kind of improve yourself but yeah you have your days where you're just like what is life you know like what am i doing like uh, ah. yeah exactly like can i get somebody like siri talk to me um yeah <laughs> yeah that's your best friend exactly so you definitely have your days but it's it's you know it becomes almost like a lifestyle in a sense and you kind of have to embrace it because that's what we're paid to do and it led to uh something called winning the championship <laughs> yeah uh so last year what did that feel like? I mean, you, you've gone from the seventh grader who was kicked out of class all the time to winning the championship. Um, was it, was that another surreal moment? Was it like, did you expect it? Did you feel like, cause you're 100% we're going to do this? Yeah. You know, I think what's really cool about our journey to winning a championship is like our team, you know, a couple of years when I got into the league, we were really bad. Um, you know, we, we had talent, but we could never just get over the hump. We needed more, we needed something. Right. And finally we, we had a team that we were really together and we all had different journeys, different stories. And um, the thing that made us come together was like, we just really loved the game of basketball. We wanted to compete. We wanted to win a championship and we never really, um focused on our wins we never really focused on our positioning and we got to a point where you know we knew we were in good standing then someone's like oh yeah you guys are number one and we're like what like yeah you know you guys are number one in the rankings and we're like since when you know we never really (laughs) we were so so involved in just being there like focusing on day by day game by game and that sounds super cliche but like that's literally what we did we just enjoyed each moment that we had with each other 
And winning that championship was just like, this is amazing. And I always believed that I had the capability to be on a team and the ability to be a part of a championship team and never knew when that was going to happen. Right. But, um, you know, winning and, and sharing that moment with players who've been in the trenches together and seeing everything kind of come uh, full circle was truly amazing. It's something that we definitely want to do again. And, um, you know, it's something that for me, it was like, you know, having so many people tell you no. And it was more just like, I look at my story, look at my journey. Like it didn't happen on, on your time. It didn't happen and even on my time. You know, it happened right when it's supposed to happen. And it was a great feeling of just kind of like, I can take a breath, you know, I, I, I did it, you know, and, and now it's like, how can I relive that and do that again and again? And, uh, and then I know, well, one, how did it feel I mean, in the city of Seattle and the state of Washington, you guys were here champs, heroes. Did it feel amazing to have that, you know, you come home after you win and the hero welcome and the, and as you said, you've been told no so many times in your life. Yeah. And now you win a championship and it's like, yes. To the yeah, city, for our, the city. Our city, first off, is a it's a sports city. I think anyone mm-hmm. who's who's come to Seattle or knows anything about Seattle sports, they know that their fans are super dedicated and loyal to to the sports. So our fans are the best. I mean, they're they're called the Storm Crazies, and they are amazing. And they support us through every season, every game. They know us when we walk outside. You know, we go to certain restaurants. They they acknowledge us. They respect us. And so coming back and sharing that moment with the city was uh, truly amazing and able to go to the Space Needle and, and raise our flag on the Space Needle. Oh, cool. um, it was truly amazing just to see that, you know, it was a truly a, a city effort. You know, everyone supported us and had our backs and was there. And um, it was amazing to just ride around in the trolleys, holding the championship, listening to music and, and seeing everyone who's you see, you know, in the stands. It was, it was really cool. And And then that led to, I believe, there was something that was going to happen this summer. Mm, yeah. But but isn't happening this summer. Yeah. Um I'm curious what cuz one of the things we talk about is it's um and it's the you know bringing hope to all things hopeless. Yeah. And I'm guessing there was some excitement about what was to, what was to happen this summer mm-hmm. and now is being moved. Yeah. You were a part you know, of. Right right. I think um you know, the next thing beyond winning a championship is trying to win a gold medal, trying to be an Olympian, trying to um, see what that is and embark on that mission. And obviously so many people are devastated that it's not happening this year. We were looking forward to that and kind of the momentum going into that. And um, you know, there's just momentum about, around women in sports. I think that was also leading up to the Olympics and seeing what, you know, the USA basketball team is going to do. And um, yeah, having that move to something that's just like, oh, dang it, you know, I, I worked so hard. And, you know, you can always, you know, be down on yourself but I think in general you know everything's supposed to happen for a reason and it is what it is and um you know my goal is to try to make that team and be on that team and, and take that journey and um you know see that from a different light and and hopefully you know things get better for 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 us in, in the world and um we, I'm excited for that for that um for that journey so I guess the a, a thing I'm just curious about because in in what we're going with now with the quarantine is there one thing that you just feel a little like we talk about, like hopeless about where you're like just bummed out about it or you feel, I, w- I want to find hope, Aaron. Like what, what is the hope I can find in something that I'm just feeling hopeless about right now? And I know we're both positive people. But. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I think just, you know, I think 
you know, with everything going on and as much as we're trying to keep social distancing and you're being apart, I think sometimes you can kind of um, get in your head and feel like you're not doing enough because you're able to look online and you see everyone's doing like charity work and you see everyone's working on their bodies and you see everything you're like, well, am I not doing enough? Like, am I not good enough now? Cause like I have so much time on my hands. I feel like I'm not, you know, giving everything I got. And I think, um, that could start to be draining on people and you can start seeing people like, Oh yeah, you know, I wish I could just do more. And it's like, no, like you're right where you're supposed to be. You know, it's easy to compare yourself to a lot of things, especially now since all we have really is technology and Instagram and social media. That's like, you consume yourself all the time and you compare yourself so much more than you did before because you didn't have time to do that. But now, you know, with, with kids, you know, struggling with, you know, disconfidence and things like that. It's like, I, I just hope that, you know, people aren't, um, getting down on themselves too much, you know, like giving themselves grace, you know, there's a lot of things that you can always be positive for. And sometimes with, you know, as much as we're able to be around our family, be around, you know, people who we care about, you also kind of get lost in comparisons. And I don't want people to ever feel like they're not good enough because, you know, social media tells you so. And uh, I guess like the last thing is, what would you say to people? Cause one of the things I'm also talking about a lot is being together. How can we be together? when right now we can't be human, like our human contact doesn't exist in the same way. Right. So what would you say about this? Like, let's, how can we be together right now? And how can, while we're not? Yeah, I think in general, um, the best way to kind of grow as humans is to be vulnerable and to, to be open and find ways to communicate with people. At the end of the day, people need people, no matter, um, you know, where you are in life, you're going to need a person, um, you know, and I know everything's, you know, virtual right now and you can't physically get a hug, physically get a high five, whatever it is, but, um, to be vulnerable and just actually say like, man, I, I could use a hug, man, I, I need help or I need a person to talk to. Um, you know, I think that's so powerful because when you're vulnerable, you're able to connect with people on a different level and that growth will, you know, propel your friendship, will propel your relationship, whatever it is, because you've been so open. And so when things get back to normal, you know, then that's the disconnect. It won't be there, you know, because you've been so open and, you know, your struggles or your life or your storytelling. And it, it allows others, like someone else to, to share their story as well. That's when you just said the word, it's okay to be vulnerable. That's where I think the logic party is yeah. like that. It should be called also like where you always say all love, all logic and yeah. be vulnerable yeah. because right now it's not about, I mean, I'm curious what you think about this. Cause it's not about, Oh, I'm right. And I'm, I have this political stance or I'm right. And I have this stance. It's right. like, it's also okay to be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That's logic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you could be, you could be right, but so wrong, you know, and, and so, <laughs> you know, it's like, how does that make sense? Like, no, it's like, the way not everyone's right you know, not everyone has an opinion i think you know in general it's like you know you want to understand people like that's the thing when you get into arguments it's like a lot of time you're arguing about the same thing but you're just not hearing them you know you got to take a second and listen and just understand like where they're coming from and that's you know a lot of things that can happen for us you know in general as a community and as you know it's as humans it's just taking the time to sit down and just listen and just really hear what the person's saying that could change a lot of things and that's how we can make this world a better place. Right, exactly. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. This was great. This is awesome, man. Like, thank you for even allowing me to do this with you. It's really cool. 
And it was so great to talk to Jewel. And if you want to hear more of our conversation, we have a more in-depth one coming to you in the next couple of days where we really dive into some stuff that you will not expect. So that's coming up soon. And now on with the show. And now for our next segment, Hopeless TV. So odds are you guys are at home and you've watched TV in the past couple months. We're here to talk to you about what's been hopeless about it. So... I will, I'll tell you, I, I had a weird TV week, bro, it, and I, I gotta, gotta say, I, I watched the Masked Singer finale. Um, the Masked Singer, for those who don't know, which is probably almost nobody, everyone knows this show to some degree, it's these celebrities and then they're in masks and then they get uncovered and then you find out who the person is and... So I got into it like the last two weeks. I was very, very curious who was going to win. I also was really hopeful that whoever the big people revealed were, they were going to be like really awesome names that were big in music. Like I was hoping like, you know, President Obama was under the, the frog mask and like Steven Tyler was from Aerosmith was under the other the one of the other ma- the lizard I think it was a lizard and then there was a girl mask and I was ho- I wanted like like Whitney Houston to come back from the dead and she's alive and she's singing like I was hope I wanted this show to be revolutionary and I was hoping for like big things and the last three people it was Bow Wow no offense to Bow Wow but it was Little Bow Wow was third and then it was Jesse McCartney this teen heartthrob that like I don't care about and then the final one was this this woman named Candice something and that was the winner and i was just like candace burris candy burris was the winner and i'm like after all this wait and for me i didn't even watch the whole season so after an hour of watching this i'm left with candy burris who was on the real housewives of some of whatever uh, the, the something and and then i looked her up and i did realize she did co-write the song no scrubs by tlc so i was like, all right well that's cool i like that song but this mass singer, like, what a letdown. Well, I, actually, I love this because that means people like you and me could one day be unmasked on that show. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's the hope. That uh, That yeah, is all we need. I feel yeah. good about that because I got to get into these other these other hopeless things I watched. But that is it. We're going to be we are going to be on the mass singer. Yeah, it's, I mean, we're probably next on their list. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> That'll be great. All right, cool. So we'll be on. I want to be. I should just be under a wolf, be in a wolf costume. <laughs> Real easy giveaway. Uh, so the other things that I I saw this week, so I, I have been having trouble sleeping. I don't know why, just the quarantine. I just have trouble going to sleep, so I'll watch like random stuff on TV. So I watched the movie War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise. And there's the movie I really like. It's really fun. There was one part, though, where I just thought, man, this is just stupid. Uh, There's a part where Tim Robbins is in it at the end. He, like, appears. Pretty famous actor, Shawshank Redemption stuff. And he just appears in the movie as this weird guy for really no reason. And the reason it seems is so they can have this scene, like, in a house because there's, like, so much stuff outside. So this gets them in one location, excuse me, for a while. But then at the end of it, so... This is a spoiler, but whatever. The movie came out in like 2008, so it's tough. Uh, there's a there's a part at the end where, where 
Tom Cruise goes to his daughter, Dakota, Dakota Fanning. And he has this terrible New York accent in the movie, but you just go with it because it's Tom Cruise. And he's like, yeah, gotta go, uh, I gotta go, gotta go take care of Selena. And he puts a mask over her so she won't, she put, he puts a mask over her so she won't hear, (laughs) hear what happens, which also makes no sense. And then he goes into the room with Tim Robbins, who has a shovel in his hand already. He closes the door. Tim Robbins is 6'4". Tom Cruise is 5'6". Tim Robbins is this big guy with a shovel. Tom Cruise goes in the room, and in the movie he plays a construction worker with nothing. And he walks out like a minute later, like breathing a little bit, and like, it's all better. We got it now. And I'm just like, there's no way that would have happened. You would not have walked into a room with your bare hands, construction worker Tom Cruise, to Tim Robbins, and just killed him in a minute. And you don't even kill people at all. It just made no sense. So I thought, what am I watching? Why? I feel so... Yeah, so War of the Worlds. I don't remember that part of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe there's a reason. (laughs) Yeah, there's a reason. Um, Yeah, don't remember it. Um, So I'm going to remember it in the way that I did, that I liked, is that it's just a big fucking movie with big, scary alien robots with spider legs. Uh, which may or may not have been. (laughs) And that's, uh, that's all you need to know. And uh, same with, I watched speed and uh, the movie speed with Keanu Reeves, Sandra Bullock and Jeff Daniels, who I forgot was in it. And it's called speed. And they only have to go, they have to go 50 miles an hour. And I was just disappointed because I was, I thought speed, like they'd have to go 90 and I didn't remember it was only 50. And I'm like, that's like an LA surface street speed. This isn't like crazy fast. So speed, they should do a new speed or remake where they have to go like 90. I think they should do speed a remake where people actually drive fast in the left lane in LA because that'll never happen. <laughs> and that's that's the only that's the only topic. So so that's hopeless TV. And uh, and with that, we're gonna go into everyone's favorite topic, the best topic thing we do on the show. The most the most cool thing it is hope in sixty, 60 seconds. seconds. So this is the game where Aaron and I have. 60 seconds to solve each other's hopeless topic. So I'm going to go first. Um, Okay, let me pull up my timer. Yes. And Aaron, this is the first topic, and I'm starting it right now. I'm going to turn the clock towards you when it's your time to answer. So the topic is DeAndre Baker, defensive player for the New York football Giants. He was arrested last week in Florida on counts of uh, assault with a deadly weapon. Um, Pretty much uh, the accusation was he was at a party um, with another player in the NFL from the Seattle Seahawks, Quentin Dunbar, and they both supposedly robbed the party with guns and masks, um, took a Rolex, $800 cash, and got away in their Ferrari. Um, I thought... I thought the dude was going to get cut. Ends up he now, uh, it might have been all false because now you have all of a sudden a lots of witnesses that were saying one thing are now saying that he is innocent. I don't know what to believe and should the Giants just stay out of Florida? <laughs> uh, yes, the Giants should stay out of Florida. They should also stay out of New York because they just suck. And so the the hope that I find in this is just don't be a Giants fan. They're terrible and I, I can't stand them. So whatever happens to any Giant shouldn't matter because no one should like them ever. I don't think I found any hope in that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to gong that. It's just going to let the alarm ring. That was just mean. Uh, that was just nasty. <laughs> that was just I don't like that me one. going oh. off on the Giants. Yeah. Well, thank you for... I feel hope because thank you for giving me a reason to go off on that team. <laughs> 
And you're up. And my turn. So the next topic is, ready for it? So there yeah. is a Trump quote that made me feel really like a lesser human. It came out that he, in 2005, said this quote, you never blame yourself. You have to blame something else. If you do something bad, never, ever blame yourself. And I just thought, man, like, I definitely screw up sometimes and I got to blame myself. Uh, how can I ever do that? The president is saying to do that. So I felt hopeless because there's no Wait. way I will ever be able to. This do is that. a real quote. Real quote. Okay. Well, first of all, a leader always is accountable for everybody that, that works with him or her. And then she or he ha is in the end is the person that is accountable. Even if they didn't make the decision or push the button themselves, they are accountable. That is part of leadership. So I think what you can say is actually uh, the hopeful part is that um, people won't even believe that a real adult said this. And it's an onion. It sounds like an onion article, which <laughs> is not. Um, and so nobody will take it seriously because it's that bizarre. So let uh, that's I, time. So let's hope gong that because. We're just calling it an onion article. So now I can feel good when yeah. I make mistakes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And it's, I can't believe that was real. That's amazing. Um, and our finest final hope in 60 seconds topic. I'm going to start the timer. This one should give you a lot of time to talk about it, Aaron. This topic is screen doors. So this past weekend I spent uh, a bunch of time, um, buying a sliding screen door for our outdoor patio. Um, and I was hacksawing it, measuring, cutting it, Nail, you know, like drilling into the frame and it was beautiful. It was perfect. And then uh, over the weekend, Lego, our dog, he uh, got so excited to run outside, he ran right into the screen and then uh, was so scared and I made fun of him for days about it. And then today I walked through the screen <laughs> and, and I'm sad now because I spent so much time uh, putting this together and, you know, and going by it and, and I put a hole in it and it's completely off the track now. How do I feel hope? All right, ready? I've done the same thing, except into a glass door uh, in Miami. I was on a balcony and I turned around and I walked as fast as I possibly could right into a glass door and broke it and my nose hurt. And so at least you didn't do that. Actually, I feel better. <laughs> so that, and that's the timer. You, you Yay. Did you, you did it. You, you brought me hope in 60. Yay. We did it. We lots of gongs. So we're going to take our user submission next week due to time, but let's jump to our hope fulfilled. All right. So the, the big hope fulfilled that I found this week, Rohit, was I saw something trending, and this is based on last week with Dan Bongino and the whole fight, which we'll get into more next week, and the whole quarrel and where that's led. But there was a thing trending called Yo Mamagate. Because if you remember... Obamagate was, was trending. And so then this, this woman uh, came, came, uh, came up with a thing, Yo Mamagate. <laughs> and it was just funny because it was like, instead of Obamagate, it's yo, hashtag Yo Mamagate. And uh, so I wrote her and just said, and it, this was trending. She was getting, you know, thousands of likes. So I wrote her and just said, I love this. This got me into a whole big a whole lot of trouble by making a joke about Obamagate. You just nailed it. You came up with a way funnier joke. And she wrote me back. And not only did she write me back, but she joined the logic party. Hey. So to, I, I, her name, I don't have in front of me. It was Nicole. Her name is Nicole. And she came up with the hashtag yo mama gate. And she also likes the logic party, likes what we're doing. And 
so that gave me hope because if we can find someone who came up with a better joke who also can't, like your mama gate is just funny it's great i mean honestly like turning an annoying hashtag into a mom joke there's nothing better than that <laughs> there isn't um, big fan big fan. so thank you nicole and uh with that so this is our show this is the yeah. aaron and rohit hopeless show we will get to user submissions again next week and we hope you enjoyed it thank you jewel for being a part great, of the show great interview from jewel great interview and uh and i'm aaron, i'm the aaron wolf on twitter he is i'm vohit for rohit on twitter and instagram with the number four and the hopeless show is also on twitter instagram and facebook as is the logic party which keeps growing so go to our facebook logic party page because we're actually getting following from it now so check it out on all social media and that's this week's show next week we have another exciting guest we'll keep it a secret and until then we hope we've fulfilled your hopelessness yes and look for us on the mass singer oh yeah talk to you later aaron all right bye Never mind that money, right? Oh.